PFL is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Tennessee ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest easiest way to get into the game you can get uh in-app panoramic seat photos from every section so you know hey this is where i'm sitting and this is where my view is so if there's a giant pole in front of you you will find that out before you hit purchase so you know you're not going to get into the stadium and be disappointed there's tickets across every major league every team uh, whatever you want to go game time can take you there it's a simple quick app easy to navigate two tap checkout that's always nice if you need to buy them in a hurry. And, of course, there's sports tickets, but you can also get tickets to music, concerts, uh, theater, whatever you want to find, Game Time can take you there. So head to the App Store, the Play Now Store, or go download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Hello again and welcome to this week's PFL. Pod for Life, Tennessee, sitting at 4-5. and five. They take care of UAB, a lot less drama than the uh, early season non-conference games against Georgia State and BYU. Voss took advantage of turnovers, jumped out to a uh, 23-0 halftime lead. And uh, as I wrote last night, one of the most uh, uninteresting second halves of football you will ever see. And I think for Tennessee... A welcome sight, uh, and speaking of welcomes, a welcome to my co-host, uh, Joe Rexrow. Joe, welcome uh, into this week's show. Yes, another uh, another winning episode here of PFL, and uh, as you wrote, David, you, know, you might not always find a lot out of a you know a, a easy win over BYU with a completely nondescript second half, but. I'm with you. I think uh, I think we found some more things out about where this team's going. Four games in a row now, where Tennessee has played pretty well, uh, and that's uh, a good sign. I think um, you know we'll see if they make it five this week. But big picture, Joe, where do you feel like Tennessee is right now uh, in terms of just sort of you know from what you hear from fans, from what you see in chatter, overvalued, undervalued. Just right. They're sitting at four and five. The bowl game's within reach. Where where do you feel like this team sits? Well, I mean, look, there are some fans who I think were like, you know, if we could start over, this is a playoff team. Okay, so that is a little <laughs> bit overvaluing the team. Uh, but uh, I think you know, I think overall, it's a still a very under the radar team just because it was kind of dismissed, um, you know, after a month of the season. So. You know, it's one of those things where when it when a team has a September Tennessee had, I think a lot of people just sort of don't bother to check in on that team as things go. And you know, I think some Balls fans were checked out, and it's I, I I get the sense that the bandwagon is now kind of rebuilding a little bit this year for this team. But I think it's probably still undervalued in terms of I look at these last three games and uh, you tell me you know better than I do but like Gator Bowl 
territory? I mean, is that crazy to think a 7-5 and five Tennessee team? See, that's where Tennessee's value, and you could argue, and other fan bases would argue, Tennessee gets overvalued because Tennessee has such a massive fan base that you know, sometimes you know, you'll get maybe a better bowl uh, assignment than, than the team deserves. But I think this team, the way it's playing, if it continues this for three more games and wins them, I think something like that would be appropriate. And that is uh, – that's saying something. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think uh, Tennessee is in a fortunate spot. I don't think the, that the SEC is going to be able to fill its bowl spots. Uh, if they're 6-6, six and six, I'm skeptical they'll get past the Liberty Bowl. Uh, they've they've covered coveted the Vols for a long time, but uh, they could. I mean, if they went out, I think definitely probably somewhere in Florida. But I'm going to say Tennessee slightly overvalued. Uh, I I thought they were one of the the greatest two and five teams in college football history earlier this season. Uh, but I I still think the look at it this way. I, I think the difference in what we saw in the first month of the season. And the progress that they've made since, I would say, is probably not as wide as some think. Uh, I think it comes down to just not doing some of the dumb stuff we saw earlier in the season and winning the turnover battle. Uh, you know, is is this team better than it was against Georgia State? Of course, um, but I think personnel can help that. Uh, I mean, they're, they're playing better, uh, but I still think Tennessee, uh, a good team. Uh, a team that is improving, um, but uh, you know, w- w- at this point, they have still, you know, when you have score twice on special teams, I asked Jerry Pruitt this himself last week uh, on Wednesday. I sort of asked, you know, where do you sort of stack up on why this team's results have been better? And he sort of said, "You well, you know, they're getting some turnovers. You score twice on special teams. You win the turnover battle. Uh, maybe that 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 team is is maybe not playing as well as people think. I think I buy into some of that." Um, you know, they've played well, and I think there's there's credit to be given for making those plays. They didn't score on special teams on accident twice. Uh, those are some great plays against uh, um, South Carolina. But you look at, okay, two, you take away those two touchdowns. Uh, and then, of course, if BYU, I mean, if UAB doesn't absolutely hand them six points to start off the game and, and give them the ball in such great field position, that's a much, much different game. I think Tennessee probably coaches it a little bit differently. Um, but, uh, you know, Tennessee, there's probably a little more drama in that game. Tennessee could not move the ball consistently in that game. Uh, they, they made some nice plays defensively. They were in the right spots. They deserve credit for that. You're not seeing a lot of busts. I think the defense is playing a lot better than the offense right now. Um, but uh, this is an interesting team. I think you're right. I think they've gone from being really undervalued early in the season that now there's sort of this narrative that's taken hold of like, oh, this is a totally different team. And I kind of wrote about this a little bit last week of, sort of why the results have been a little bit better, and you point out a few things. It's not like it's a night and day team. It's an improving team that shored up some of the silly stuff. But, uh, you know, I think sometimes the the impact of the the better results is somewhat overstated. Yeah, Um, I I think sometimes you're right. But, again, I, I still think in the trenches, which is where we talked before the year about where we had questions, I think it's pretty dramatic, um, and I don't know if it's just. I think some of that again. I think like a guy like Daniel Batuli sometimes makes it look like you're just more stout up front because he, you know, has the right fit over and over again and makes plays. But I don't. I just thought I was looking at a team that in the SEC against most SEC offensive lines was just really going to struggle to hold at the point of attack, and I don't think that anymore. So again, that's sort of a. It's still a, you know. A, a, a big picture view, you know, without 
breaking down every single play as well. I know that you know the offensive line really didn't have a great night against UAB, but I, I think there's definitely a big difference there, although that's not a big surprise. When you have two freshmen who are starting out, I mean, you're, you, know, you expect that you know, you're going to look a lot different now than you did in September. But I don't know. I, I mean, I guess that maybe they're a bit overvalued. Yeah, again, if people are talking about, you know, the, you know watch out, you know, th- this, is a, you know, this is a great football team. No, but I, I, think it's, I think it's pretty significant. Just the, if that team played this team, you always play that game, you know. I think this team would, would handle that team. And some of that, you're right, the mistakes. Also, quarterback play, of course, is, is a lot different. Mm-hmm. I think the defensive line has improved. The offensive line, you know, last night uh, against UAB, 18 of Tennessee's 30 carries to its top three backs went for two or fewer yards. That's a problem. That's 60% of the time. You're basically getting nothing on your run. Um, but I think you look at the personnel. You know, like I said, Batuli's back. Bryce Thompson's back. He had a big night. I think the defensive line has improved. But I'll just say there's a difference in playing better and being better. You know, I, I think the the coaching staff deserves some credit uh, on that. Um, and like I said, this team has improved against Georgia State. Um, but I, I still think if they – some of that was, was poor coaching, the way that they sort of managed that game, the first game. And then BYU, I mean, they, they were the better team in that game for 59 minutes and, and 43 seconds. But – this is a, it's a really interesting team. Uh, last year, you know, they only had what one game that sort of came down to the uh, the last couple minutes, and this year it's it's been a lot more interesting. Uh, what did you make of, of how the quarterback situation handled uh, last night? By, it sounded like Brian Maurer was cleared, but they held him out. Um, props to them on that. Uh, you know, we were about this at the athletic last uh, I guess a week or two ago, talking to neurologists who basically said, you know, once you have a second uh, whether you want to call it a concussion, whatever, um, you can call it an appearance of uh, brain trauma. Two of those in one week, you have to be more conservative. Tennessee obviously has taken that approach. I, I, I thought we'd see him on Saturday. We did not. It didn't seem like it really even came close, and they had every opportunity to do that. Uh, but what did you make of how they handled the quarterbacks? It was a little awkward with Shroud starting both halves and playing like three snaps before you saw Garantano uh, roll in there. Yeah, I thought they should have played Strout more, and I, at times it just looked to me like Garantano really was struggling with the with the left hand, you know. So I, I just and I thought Garantano really struggled in general a lot. He, he made some very nice plays in the game as well, but I, I you know he he did some things in that game. I don't know if it was necessarily reminiscent of you know how he was struggling early in the season, but I wondered if maybe it was related to being uncomfortable out there. I thought Shrout, break, you know, um, and obviously it worked out, but as you said, a lot of that is, you know, when Bryce Thompson's able to just go out there and just kind of play catch with the other team's quarterback, you know, that's going to really, and, and, and of course we haven't mentioned Brent Samaglia, but you know, when you have a guy like that who can put points on the board from anywhere and you, you know, when you're struggling in the red zone and eventually you break the game open, it makes things a lot easier, but um, yeah, I really I would have liked to see more from Shrout in this game. Yeah, Garantano sounded like he was in a lot of pain. I asked you know him about that and asked Pruitt you know about the quarterback situation and Pruitt sort of answered the question, which left me more confused than it did the first time. I I, I don't know. I, I think ultimately I lean on the side of it doesn't matter all that much because I think Maurer's coming back next week and and if he can stay upright and healthy, you know, they don't have to deal with that issue. 
and you kind of know you got two guys back there who you know aren't going to probably be a total disaster. And obviously at this point, uh, Garantano's the first guy up. But props to Garantano for sticking it out. Uh, you know that's for him to come back. I mean, he basically said, you know, guys on the team were telling him, hey, you know, maybe you should chill out or, or wait until rehab or therapy or all that stuff. And he said, I couldn't do it. You know, I had to to come back. He's in a lot of pain, uh, and it's a it's a his hand is, is looking like it's in rough shape. You know, we got to see it a little bit after the game on Saturday. Uh, before we move on to Kentucky, Joe, I, all I saw was your tweet. I got to hear the story. You had a run in with police uh, <laughs> in the in the in the state of North Carolina, I guess, this week. Uh, well, uh, yeah, please, like, I don't, please do I, tell. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to necessarily call it a run in with police, but I, I, although technically, <laughs> literally, it was. Um, yeah, so you know, of course, I this was a double dip. North Carolina, South Carolina weekend for me because Vanderbilt was at South Carolina the day before the, at a gas station, pulled in to a parking spot, uh, but to go in the convenience store, open my door and a state trooper smashes into the door. <laughs> so he was coming into his, you know, in the parking spot right next to me, just as I was opening the door. I still, I'd love to see video of it. Cause it's like, how did that I think it had to be at that exact millisecond for it to work out that way. But, yeah, so he kind of mangled the door and then waited around an hour for a, a sheriff's deputy to independently investigate, which was what happened. I opened my door and he ran into it. Okay, here's an incident report. Uh, so, yeah, sort of uh, – But I was able to close the door. I've kept the car. Everything's fine. The the uh, the officers were very friendly and, you know, uh, they were they were – good about it and uh so you know then it's just an insurance headache but yeah definitely uh a new one i've had a few dings here and there you travel for decades uh and there but this is definitely a new one um and, and apparently this officer by the way has had two chases and a deer that all resulted in car damage in the last month so it's four for him in the month so uh he's on a roll Joe, a, uh, <laughs> what are we, I don't even know what to tell you about that. That's <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting situation. So how do you, so have you taken the rental car back, or do you have to call? How does that work? Exactly? Yeah, well, I call. I just called. You know, I called the, the rental place and I told them what happened. And basically, again, it just comes down to they were like, "Do you need a new one?" I'm like, I, "It closes. It makes kind of a weird sound, like, Aah! but it closes. <laughs> so uh, you know, I'll just keep the car and return it, and then you know what." It'll be all the paperwork that's the pain, you know, moving forward. But uh, yeah, just I don't know. It's a it's a it's a weird one. Um, I don't know if he was coming in fast or or not. But um, I've never had that where you like you. That's tight quarters. So, uh, but it was he's cool. Just a guy who was was not a huge fan of the athletic. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. You know, he saw the out of state license plate. Maybe you know, <laughs> like. Big on the Gamecocks, uh, you know, worried that Vanderbilt might be a big problem. I mean, who knows? You know, but yeah. uh, no, it worked out okay. It's fine. Well, as Derek Mason coaches for his job, uh, we have a long, a long week ahead for Mark Stoops. Willie Taggart fired on Sunday at Florida State. Mark Stoops, of course, uh, did a great job in Tallahassee. The idea of him returning to Florida State will definitely be out there. He's a guy who won 10 games a year ago. Big bowl win for Kentucky with the uh, Benny Snell Expressway. Can't hurt Tennessee's chances there. Uh, that's not uh, – it's that time of year. The coaching carousel will start to spin, certainly. Florida State, the biggest piece of that. 
a very good job and uh, a, a program that's going to have a lot of options. But flipping to Kentucky, what are you sort of expecting this week? A huge week for both these programs. I would say it's certainly bigger for Tennessee. But what are you what are you sort of expecting? Well, I mean, I mentioned you know I mentioned the Gator Bowl. I mean, this you know the it may be winner gets the Gator Bowl. You know, if, of course, it's got to be more wins after that. But no, I think you bring up a good point there, David. Um, I've already seen a lot of the Stoops speculation. I think it makes sense for Florida State. Mm-hmm. I think honestly, I think Stoops has done a tremendous job at Kentucky and has gotten that program to a place I would not have guessed it could get to in terms of. I mean, he really he really has done a heck of a job of recruiting, done a great job in Ohio in particular. And of course, you have to find you have to find some you know, some two and low threes who develop, but also he's been able to really get into some recruiting battles and get some big-time players. And, as I mean, Kentucky football is thing in our lifetimes. And so I, I would understand why any athletic director would be really intrigued by him. And you're right, maybe this does provide some kind of a distraction. I mean, I was surprised to see Taggart fired now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not finished with his second season. And I know it hasn't gone well, but... You know, I, I I would not have guessed an in-season firing. And you're right, maybe it does help the Vols that because there's going to be a lot of talk about that. And of course, there's nothing he can say about it. He's just going to say the same stuff coaches say. But it's going to be on the minds of his players, and uh, so mm-hmm. so that could be some sort of a, a distraction, a focus drain for them. I think with this game, it's uh, you know, look, it's uh, I'm very impressed with what Kentucky has done given the passing game limitations they have this year because of injuries and uh you know i just think if tennessee can get them in that third and long a lot on saturday i you know i really like tennessee's chances in this game kentucky's playing better defense and you know that that, that's going to be obviously a huge thing who is that quarterback um to me if if brian maher is available uh, that's the way i would go i would i still think that some of the stuff he's done has been some of the best stuff or the best stuff at that position this season. Still a small sample size, but I would go with him if possible and, and have Garantano. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I think if Maurer's available, he plays. Um, yeah, I just think it can't hurt the coaching stuff situations for, for Tennessee's chances. The Vols have had success, you know, against offenses built around a running quarterback. I'll, I'll be writing about that a little bit this week. But this is a pressure spot for them. They, like I said, they've played four consecutive games in a row. You kind of wonder with a team that's, you know, not the most talented team in the, in the world, maybe there's a stinker sort of looming. Vols, uh, a little bit more in a field goal favorite. But I do think it's interesting. Um, Bill Connolly, now at ESPN, longtime uh, SB Nation. If you trust the SP Plus rankings... Tennessee 42nd, Kentucky 56th. Uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, but, you know, if Tennessee wins this game, they're in the exact same spot they were in a year ago. Granted, the road to get there, very different. But 5-5 five and five with Vandy and Mizzou to go. Uh, and, and how they handle that will be, uh, will be really interesting. Uh, am, I, am I off base in wondering, you know, how many impressive games this team can string together or, or do you feel like they really have turned a corner and that this is a team that that uh you know can can coast on the way out and at least put something on tape every week that they're proud of well i you know i do but it doesn't mean they'll win and it's still about that i mean i i, I think uh you know look these are these are road games this is this is a night game 
Missouri is going to be, I think we're pretty sure, a night game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, it's like 3.30 or 3.30 or 7. So we'll see. We'll find out probably Monday sometime, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, they, they, look, these are – I mean, Missouri, obviously our perception of Missouri has changed a lot in a short period of time. Uh, I guess that looks like the more winnable of the two, but Missouri is better at home, and they've played really well in some games at home. Uh, the Vols can play around this level and still lose close games to both of these teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I, I just think um, – you know, Excuse me. Excuse- Go ahead. I'm sorry. When you go back to the original question about, you know, about the overvaluing of Tennessee, I mean, I I, I would hope Vols fans don't think this is any of either of these games coming up will be easy. I mean, this is uh, playing at this level to me gives you a chance to win a competitive game on the road in both of these games. I mean, that's so if you think it's more than that, then you probably are overvaluing Tennessee. Yeah, I think that's about right. I do think, too, the off week going into Mizzou can be really good, especially when you talk about this team's getting a little banged up. Uh, Bryce Thompson, Darnell Wright, uh, all those guys were, you know, the, the health situation. It's not uh, anything catastrophic, but the week off at this point in the season, a crucial point in the season for them is, is really crucial. So even if you lose this week, you get the, the off week coming back for, for basically two games to try and try and get there. Um, sitting there at four and six so it's gonna be interesting like I said if you play well you know Tennessee can absolutely run the table Um, if you play like they did against South Carolina win the turnover battle uh, and 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 get some good play out of your quarterback they've got to run the ball a little bit better Um, that 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 group that we saw run the ball against Mississippi State we have not seen that group very much Um, and the group that ran it for the first three and a half quarters against BYU that has been more of an outlier than the rule um, but, uh, you know, that's why they play the games. I'm, I'm really interested to see uh, what this team has there. They've been a really uh, a fun team to cover this year. Um, speaking of fun teams, uh, Tennessee basketball last year. Uh, I believe we're breaking the Tennessee basketball seal. But Tennessee fans, um, they're mad. Philip Fulmer, athletic director, mad. Uh, Urosh Plavsic, uh, Arizona State transfer, um, from, uh, I believe, Slovenia. Um, I think that's right. It could be Serbia. My apologies. Uh, I'm not in basketball mode yet. He got a pretty raw deal. He's not going to be uh, eligible. Um, basically, the, the situation, you know, he was recruited to Arizona State. A lot of people thought that the coach that they hired was hired just to get him. Uh, he was fired. He wanted to be closer to his family in America, uh, which I believe is located in Chattanooga. So you see Phil Fulmer pretty pretty frustrated uh, on Saturday. He releases a pretty strongly worded statement, um, you know, essentially calling out the NCAA as, as um, you know, something that's not living up to its, uh, you know, declared message. Uh, you know, the fans are mad. I, I think that the Fulmer being mad makes the fans even madder because they're like, well, if, 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 you know, if Big Phil's mad, everyone's going to be mad. You know, we have a right to be <laughs> mad as well. He did get a raw deal here, but I think as much as people want to get mad at the NCAA, the NCAA, I think people do not realize a lot of the time, it's just a representative of the institutions. It's not this in it's not this self, um, you know, sustained organization that that is holding down you know 
Tennessee or any other school. It's it's if they wanted to, if the schools wanted to change the rules, they could. And the waiver situation as it stands is only that way because schools don't want you know a ton of free transfers or one free transfer or whatever. Even passing the grad transfer situation was a fight. And so listen, it, people can say, oh, the NCAA is the big bad here. And I think in this situation, Tennessee did, uh, from from what I understand about the situation, got a really raw deal here. Um, but. You know, this is where it stands. I think Tennessee fans would feel differently if if he played for Kentucky. Uh, and I think these are situations that, you know, I'd like to see everybody get at least one free transfer. But, um, you know, in this case, the, you know, the, even these waiver situations feel like they're pretty arbitrary. Um, they're arbitrary because the, 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 the schools themselves have not voted to allow these free transfers, and you, you put these things in the hands of a, an ever-changing uh, group deciding on these waivers, and you don't get a lot of consistency in the decisions, and you, it produces a lot of frustration. But I think the schools are here to blame uh, just as much as, as the, you know, the big, bad NCAA. What, what did you make of, of that situation? Well, right. I mean, that's that's the definition people miss a lot. And, you know, it's been hammered in. You cover college sports long enough. You know, the NCAA is the schools. So yeah. you're right. And we've talked about this before. The one-time sort of transfer, go, play right away, one-time, you know, I think that's a great idea. Um, it's not in place. But I think, you know, it's the problem is, as you said, the word arbitrary is very fitting here. The people at the NCA who I'd love to, you know, they need to shed more light on the process because there have been approvals from things that may, maybe there's information that we don't have on some of them. But based on some that have been approved, this one should have been a slam dunk. And, it, and, and so I understand Tennessee being mad. And they can go around and find some that are like, wait, how does this happen and ours doesn't? And it does seem very random. And again, sometimes there's more, all the information's out there for the public. Sometimes it's not. But in, in the absence of this one-time transfer, which I think will happen at some point, probably some point soon, you know, it'd be great to have some, some more firm and, and straightforward guidelines on what does and what doesn't fly. Um, it, it like they, it's gotten a lot looser. Like honestly, this case a few years ago, I would have said, nah, it's family, and that's what you. That used to be the only way that these would be approved. Uh, just a few years ago, it's something really, really serious. And then all of a sudden, it was like, wow, they're just sort of letting them all go. And and now it's almost like we've settled into this. Yeah, who knows? I mean, just throw, you know, like throw the dice on the table, and man, let's see what happens. I mean, that, and that's that's not where you want to be. So you're right. I mean, it's the schools can make this stuff happen. The people who are actually doing the work of going through this stuff should be more consistent and transparent. Yeah, that's the thing. The lack of consistency is there. And then when you get these decisions to come down, and no one ever sits down or says, "Hey, you know, uh, this is why this or that happened," and people want to say. I've gotten this t legitimately. I've gotten a bunch of tweets. Like, well, the media's got to hold their feet to the fire. You guys got to do something. There's not much that that we can do here. Like, there's not like the NCAA makes these decisions. They are not a public institution, so they're not as subject to uh, FOIA requests. You can sort of, 
get some if they interact with the school, but the internal um, deals, you don't get much. I requested some documents on the Aubrey Solomon situation. They cited FERPA and denied that. So, I mean, other than writing and talking about how, like, hey, these situations are wrong, there's not much that, that the so-called media can do here. Like, there just isn't. I mean, the NCAA sort of exists uh, on their own, and and these situations are, I mean, this is, from what I understand, it's it's not a fair deal. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, so I, I, I tweeted this on Saturday, but, you know, when these situations come down and, and when you put these deals in the NCAA's hands, you know, sometimes you're the hammer, sometimes you're the nail, and, and Tennessee is, is uh, in that uh, unenviable spot. Uh, so you feel bad for the kid. I mean, you're coming from so far away. Uh, you don't get to play last year. You come to Tennessee. I think they were very, very optimistic that he'd be able to play this year. He is not. Uh, so it's a, a difficult situation. Uh, but the answer here is not, well, he's got to be, they got to let him play. The answer here is, is wide-scale reform. And I, I'm, if you're not going to pay the players, they should have freedom. And the, at the least you can do is allow guys to transfer for free for one year. People want to act like, oh, you know, this is going to be the end of sports as we know it, and college sports is going to have such a. It's not. It's just not. Like these are these is fear mongering nonsense. And maybe you could have some tampering issues and all that stuff, but. You know what uh, is doing pretty well with players switching leagues and switching teams and and tampering and all that? The NBA doesn't seem, doesn't seem to have an issue with that. <laughs> and I think college sports will be just fine uh, if that sort of thing becomes commonplace. And you start talking oh, about, yeah. oh, where, 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 who's going to go here? Who's going to go where? You know, could this guy leave at the end of the year? People act like, oh, that's the end of the world. Like It already happens. Know, come on, guys. Yeah, come on, guys. Like, it's just not. And so... Um, you're ha- it's happening right now with Jerry Tano. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Oh, it's absolutely. Crazy. Oh, it's ha- it's ha- it ha- I mean, you as a coaching staff, you have to of course be wary of that with your own roster, but you have to also know what's going on out- elsewhere because you can find really good players who are looking to transfer. I mean, that's it's a huge part of the job now. So I mean, that's it's not going to change anything. And yes, fear mongering. There is a lot of that going around these days. <laughs> Uh, yes. And you know what? When the coaches say, oh, I got to re-recruit my roster every year, that's why you get paid $3.8 million. I'm fine with that. So, there you go. Uh, those complaints are falling on deaf ears uh, on, this side of the, on this side of the microphone. So that will do it for this week's episode. We will uh, talk to you again later this week for our subscribers-only episodes. Some cool stories coming this week on The Athletic. Uh, Joe, any parting shots before we officially turn the page to Kentucky week? You know, I will say, um, South Carolina, you know, we should rank the SEC, uh, media buffets at some point. South Carolina, <laughs> South Carolina is, is up there. It, I, well, I had good. not been there until last year and that was uh, fantastic. <laughs> they, it's a, it's a strong contender. They had, you know, like shaved, like, you know, pork, but then also, Barbecue chicken, uh, you know, good salad bar, a lot of good sides. They had the, the pie sitting there in my face all <laughs> night. I did not have any pie. It looked really good. I had I, I had to not do it. But, uh, yeah, that it might be the best one I've seen. I haven't been to all the venues yet, but uh, very strong. So kudos yeah, to any, South Carolina. Any school that's got a carving station to the front of the line, to the front yep. of the line. That's right. well thanks for listening guys thanks for uh tuning in to another episode of pfl you can like uh rate review subscribe us uh and i think you guys will uh enjoy as we 
move into maybe a little bit of basketball chatter. Um, but we will be here the rest of the season chronicling wherever this Tennessee season goes. And uh, I tell you what, if the first couple months are any guide, I think this last month is going to be uh, unpredictable. So that will do it, and we will see you guys again very, very soon. Thank you.